the nation. Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand. And let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Raging Review Podcast. Currently, Nick and I, shocking absolutely nobody, Jerry is late. And probably will have some sort of an internet excuse, guarantee it. We'll wait to see what he has to say. But until then, Nicholas, what's up, man? Jerry is going to be late to his own funeral, man, by like 30 minutes. 100%. <laughs> He's got the boomer internet. He probably eats, I bet you he eats at Piccadilly at like 5 o'clock. I can't lie, I get, I get hungry earlier too, so... Well, you know, I mean, I know he's just looking for a special, but at least he's not slurping on the show. <laughs> there you go. Last week was pretty bad. Yeah, that was bad. So tonight we're going to talk, uh, you know, obviously in the hoopla of the regional championship, we didn't really get to Southern Miss. Uh, that was uh, a, a key series for this particular season. And obviously with the budding, the budding past rivalry that is now current rival, you know, that's definitely something we want to cover. So we're going to do that tonight. We're going to get into... The Sunbelt Conference baseball tournament, because that's currently going on, and then the Cajuns will play tomorrow night, and we'll be taking on Texas State, which will present all the reasons why that is a, a dangerous situation. Let's go ahead and, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Nick, this is what we'll do first. Southern Miss, well, it's a program that we've become frenemies with, right? We call ourselves frenemies. We have a little bit of a rivalry. We have uh, their support on a lot of things. And, you know, for a long time, the SEC used to get a lot of flack for pulling for each other, you know, even Alabama and LSU, when they were playing out of conference, they'd pull for each other. And a lot of fan bases around the country didn't like that very much. I'm starting to see a little bit of that in the Sunbelt conference where, you know, I guess it's a little bit different because a lot of us are smaller schools, but I don't know. I always wonder how the fan bases around the Sunbelt think about that. Do you like the fact that now we have other programs pulling for the Cajuns where we're in big games or in postseason games? Do you like the fact that we sometimes root for those teams? Like, I'm not going to lie, when Southern Miss played LSU or TSAB in the, uh, the the regionals last year, I was a huge Golden Eagles fan. So where do you stand on that? Do you think it's good for the league? Do you think it's kind of a cop-out? Like, how do you feel about it? No, I, I mean, I don't know that it's that new. I feel like I feel like we've had it to some extent. I just don't know that we had another program within the conference that we both hated but also respected, right? We 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 hate Coastal and we don't respect them. So that's a whole other thing. Uh, but but you feel like and and Marshall's kind of kind of getting in the same way. Like they're just annoying. Like you just kind of want to shoo them away like a fly. But but Southern Miss has a lot that we want to be in a program. Is that we want those hardcore crazy fanatics? Because what are the first three letters of? Of the uh, of fanatic is fan right, and that's what we are. We're we want fanatical fans. They have a lot of that, probably because there's not a whole lot to do in Mississippi. But 
you know, you <laughs> had to get a jab in, but you you attain to have the the constant barrage of of in your face marketing from that school, which is what we need and what we want to see and what we attain or or, or, or aspire to be, I should say, because we we need that. We need the in your face with an SEC school SEC school sixty miles down the road, and we don't have it, and it it pisses us off that we don't have it yet. So. I don't think cheering for your own conference mate is that different. I don't think that's something out of the ordinary. Again, I think it's just a matter of us having finally a quote rival that we respect. And outside of the the times that we play, we want to be a lot like them. You know, I, I think that's the difference. And that's why we're seeing more of it this week. I agree. And they've had a ton of success. So it's easy to compare yourself. The other reason oh, why football, it's easy. football, man. Yeah, 100%. Me? They're the original Boise State. We've said that here many times. But the other reason why is because they're close in proximity and they deal with a lot of the same stuff we deal with. Uh, you know, they got two SEC schools in state. Uh, TSAP is not all that far away from them. They get a, a lot of the same heat in a lot of the same ways. They get the little brother stuff, even though, I mean, in many ways, even though Southern Miss's uh, fan base may be smaller than, say, a Mississippi State, I think they're a little bit more passionate, a little bit more loyal. As long as I've been following uh, I'll say at least football and baseball. Well, I'll tell you what, Mississippi State and baseball show up. Basketball and, and football, I think that Southern Miss has a more rabid fan base in that regard. And I like to compare them to what we do here and what we try to do. And again, you said about the success. You know, we've had that we've had recent success. They're a legacy success program. So the fact that they continue to win in baseball, they've had 25 years of success in baseball, which it, that's my favorite sport, and I think that we've achieved the most in baseball. Well, obviously, we went to the College World Series, but I like the fact that it's a, it's a successful program. It's a program that continues to push the envelope, continues to invest heavily, continues to have pride in their, their programs, and we got to play them every year. You yeah, know? And, and I want to add to that. They also face the same struggle as we do because no matter how good they are in a particular sport, they get kicked around especially you look at how the conference reshuffling all took place i mean they were at one point in a great conference usa looking to make that next step at some point and they never did they kind of got left behind disrespected kind of like we continue to get disrespected by those you know tsab fans and others across the state so they keep you know, having to fight battles the same kind of battles that like you said we have to fight and that gives you a little bit more respect for them I agree 100%. When people struggle the way you do, it, it gives you some empathy. Jerry, welcome to the Raging Review podcast, sir. Glad you could join us. Hi. Hey, what the hell, man? You had all afternoon. Internet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. We got to get that, man. Told you. I'm telling you some rabbit I predicted ears. it off the top. It was going to be the internet. You got to get LUS, dude. I have LUS. That's the thing. We need an upgraded package. Apparently so. Maybe we could, we could kick in some sponsorship dollars to upgrade Jerry's internet. By the way, I didn't eat Piccadilly. My wife cooked a delicious meal tonight, so no, hey, no Piccadilly don't sleep on Piccadilly. Don't sleep on Piccadilly. I was about I'm just to say, why, why are y'all making that chopped, look, that chopped beef what, is something to? Yes. What 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 are we hating on Piccadilly for? I'm more more about the Who, clientele than anything. Well, I mean, look, the food's delicious at Piccadilly. I haven't been in a while, but I will take up for Piccadilly for for many years uh, look, I understand I understand that you probably shouldn't shit on Piccadilly but I'm not going to go as far as saying the food's delicious I mean maybe a <laughs> six and a half out of ten I'd be all right hey, it's, with it's that. your you get your bang for your buck okay chopped steak maybe a little bit of that uh what is it that that broccoli and cheese rice you know little mashed potatoes the jello's really good 
I sound like a geriatric a person you, now. I'm going to stop talking. Are you eating at the hospital? I bet you want some candied yams with marshmallows. <laughs> and I'll get look, some seafood soup just for you, Nick. Uh, Gordon McKernan, office locations, Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzalez, Hammond, and of course the home office in Baton Rouge. Go by and see the chief happiness officer, Miss Penny. Very cute little dog that uh, apparently people like. She's uh, She's been all over the the advertising campaigns and the billboards. So she's a, she's a star. Go check her out. Uh, by the way, if you hire Gordon McKernan, don't forget you get the G guarantee. Gordon will win your case or you do not owe a dime. No cost, no fees, absolutely nothing. They have done thousands in NIL deals to assist Louisiana athletes with everything from promoting their own personal brands to networking within the business world. Call Gordon at 888-532-1573. You can also find them at getgordon.com, getgordon.com, get Gordon and get it done. Also, Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors, of course, licensed and insured, locally owned, family operated. Darren Domingue, a proud UL alum and RCAF supporter. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the Better Business Bureau, where Mr. Domingue serves as a board member. Reminder, if you haven't inspected your roof for damage with the wild weather we've had over the last few years, it does rain a lot here, so... Check your roofs, folks. It's very important to keep a nice hat on top of your home. Protect your investment. If you notice any sagging, any signs of water damage, dark spots, holes, cracked or torn shingles, large amounts of shingle granulars in your gutters, presence of rot, mold, or moisture, you want to give Darren and the team a call. They have three different options for financing available to you. They also offer exceptional interior and exterior painting and sheetrock services. Over 10,000 satisfied customers cannot be wrong. Give Darren and the crew a call today, 337-237-ROOF. That's 237-7663. Or visit them on the World Wide Web, lafayette-roofing.com. Also, huge shout-out to Patriot Steel Group. Guys over at Patriot Steel Group would like to thank all RCAF donors and encourage everyone to consider giving any amount that they can to support our student-athletes and their mission to promote our great university. Chris Russo has been a friend of the pod since 2021. So appreciate that very much, Chris. He's been one of our best supporters financially since we started. We're very appreciative to that. He's also been a great Raging Cajun baseball supporter uh, since way before, going all the way back to when Tony was a youngin. So uh, he's been around the program for a very long time. Him and his dad uh, want to give them a huge shout out. Founders of Patriot Steel Group have over 100 years of experience collectively in the oil and gas industry. Patriot Steel Group offers domestic ERW for electric resistance welded and seamless tubulars. Go check out more information about Patriot Steel Group on their LinkedIn page or call Brandon Gollett or Reed Barbier at 337-443-9296. You can also visit them again on their LinkedIn page for as much information as you'd like to find out. Thank you to all of our fantastic sponsors and thank you for being a great friend to Rage Cajun Athletics. Now, we played a series last weekend at the Pete, uh, not friendly to the Cajuns over the last few years. Uh, you know, what's interesting when you look at the, the history of the two programs, especially in the last six years, a lot of the games have been nip and tuck. You got one-run games, two-run games. You know, there's been very few blowouts, uh, which made Saturday, the, you know, the middle game, all that more, you know, abnormal. Came out, swung the bats, got in front, got a great pitching performance from Fluno. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just wanted to point out a lot of these games, regardless of how good the team was, regardless of how successful maybe one or the other season may have been, they've always been close. And 
this weekend was really no different outside of that Saturday game. So I want to get into the Southern Miss series. Before we do that, I want to talk about how we felt going into the series. I know that we talked about it privately, uh, but Nick, maybe your confidence level going into the Pete and you know how you felt when first pitch was thrown on Friday. Yeah, um, I expected to get one. Was hopeful for two. Would have been, uh, you know, just as I said, running out on I ten if we got a sweep. So I I didn't think either team would sweep, but I felt like we had a chance to get two, especially on Sunday. We ended up having a chance to get two. And really, if you look at Friday night, we had a chance to get three because you you were one mistake pitch away from the, the game being tied going into extras. Uh, so I I wasn't I'm not going to say I was confident. I was expecting to to win a game or two. And after things kind of played out, you just, again, kind of what we said a few times this season, missed opportunities. And we had a, another game on Sunday of missed opportunities where we really had a chance to win the series and, and just couldn't get it done. If this weekend wasn't a microcosm of this particular team, I don't know what is. You're One day you're on cloud nine, the next you're in the dumps. And man, this weekend was full of that. Um, it's kind of like my internet right now, disappointing. Yeah, just inconsistent. Uh, for the most part, I think we battled, but at the same time, you know, at key moments, we couldn't get it done. I, I thought pitching wise, look, we could talk about uh, Tanner Hall all day, but, you know, give credit to Jackson Nezu. I mean, really outside of that one swing of a bat, he really battled uh, that Thursday night. Uh, Carson Fluno, same thing, but giving up the timely hit, it, it plagued us once again uh, in those two games that we lost. Uh, I really would have hoped to take two out of three. We jumped to a big league, big league on Saturday or big lead on Saturday. Sorry. And we just, we just couldn't hold it down, but a little bit of optimism. I think if we can go toe to toe with Southern miss who pretty much was a sort of a preseason favorite and do it at their place in front of a pretty hostile, hostile crowd with so much on the line for them, then I think we can go into the tournament battle tested i mean i think we were battle tested this weekend it's just what's scary right now to me is the the pitching the depth lack of pitching depth can we can we get through four or five games or six games with with the bullpen that we have and and i mean right now i I don't know i'm very doubtful about that i think the bats are going to show up but um to, to to the team's credit they hit the ball pretty well this week um i mean they scored then on those two games, they scored, what, 17 runs? 19 so, runs. 19 runs, yeah. You know, in two games, if they can do that against a good Southern Miss team, you know, I expect them to hit the ball this week. But it was disappointing that we couldn't finish on Saturday. To their credit, I did. I do think they battled, and I do think they're ready for this tournament, just as long as the the pitching can can last. I'm glad you mentioned the the crowd though, because Nick, my man, was getting beat up on the Twitterverse. <laughs> wow, yeah. I we I see some of my Southern friends in here, uh, the Southern Miss friends in here. And by the way, you guys are all welcome to comment. We welcome your comments. You got beat up on the attendance thing. Let's talk about that. Well, actually, that was done on purpose. There, and, of course, and it the is. reason I was just poking the bear because of course football. All we got was attendance smack from them. 
baseball, we got attendance back for no reason. Uh, they took a picture like before one of the games started. Yeah, nobody was there. Basketball, they took like a weird angle picture of. And now look, we we didn't blow the doors off of the, the Cajun Dome this year with attendance. But for some reason, they were so obsessed with our attendance. So I couldn't miss my chance to uh, to get a little jab in. And boy, they they are so sensitive. They're they almost like, like T-Sab fans. They don't like, like you that say one thing and they're like, oh, no, I can't believe it. Ah! Like, you just won the game. Why, why are you hung up on that, of all things? I think you, you found you found something to exploit. There's no question <laughs> that he'd respond to that. Well, I, I think it was, every, every chance I get, man, they're going to get some great angle pictures of their attendance at any sport that is televised. Like, during the tournament when there were, like, 12 people there, oh, it's gone. It's gone on Twitter. What was great was the Friday night whenever, you know, we were sh- we were shutting them down by about the sixth or seventh inning, and you started seeing people leave. And I think, Nick, you took a few screenshots of their seats, and, I mean, it was pretty empty. And you're at, at that point, there was really nothing they could say because <laughs> everybody had gone home. At but five. they're in the roost. They're all in the roost. <laughs> That's all they had. They're in the roost. All right. Look, I, it, it, look I <laughs> – it's pretty funny when you think about it because, yes, some of their fans were a little defensive. But, look, they're, they're so similar to our baseball fans. They 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 do have a good support system and we as well as us. And um, I, I, I'm a little – I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think the atmosphere at the Teague is a little bit better. But it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend for a good atmosphere, I think. I mean, this is – it was really good, clean fun. I, I enjoyed – I enjoyed it. I, I don't know about you guys. Uh, Nick, I know you enjoyed it a little too much, but it was fun. Like, football season is going to be fun. I think basketball season when we play them again is going to be fun. You know, it's it's just it's it's just fun banter back and forth. And give them credit. Give them credit. They, they backed us on Sunday. So um, I'll never forget going to Southern Miss, and Caleb Adams was just destroying them all weekend. And the guys, one of the guys, one of their fans, like after he hit like his 30th bomb of the weekend, goes, I can't believe you're going to let a left-handed left fielder hit who can't hit for power hit all them home runs on you. And I'm like, do you even know baseball? Like, do you even know what's going on? So they have a very loud fan base um, and very passionate fan base. I appreciate that. It's a little different for the Teague. The Teague kind of waits for things to happen. Unless it's a real good Friday night game, you have a good Section A going um, you know, it's going to be rowdy, but they're, I think the difference is they're rowdy. Like they are a rowdy fan base in the stadium where we're a little more pass passive waiting for something to happen, feeling the momentum. If we feel like we're getting that momentum, we're going to, you know, our fans kind of get on their feet and start making noise. But, uh, they were banging on that, uh, those aluminum bleachers all weekend, man. It was getting loud out there. The game where Dirk hit DJ that Friday night, I've never been in a better college baseball atmosphere. And I've been to the dude and I've been to the box and I've been to I've been to a lot of good venues that night. That Friday night two years ago was people use the word electric too much. It was electric. You could feel the emotion in there. You could feel it changing the way the the mood and the the tenor of the entire everything. It changed everything. I I mean, I've never experienced anything like it. Uh, So anyway, let's move on to the hall performance. Tanner Hall. He goes eight solid. He gives up three hits, one base on ball, 12 Ks, face 27 batters. Folks, that's dominance. And there's not really much more you can say about it than he was completely and totally dominant. Uh, I told Nick, well, we were talking in the in the uh, group message, and I said that ump is given that ankle strike. It's low. And it is a strike. 
I mean, it's borderline, but it's a strike. It's it starts it, it crosses at the knees, and the catcher catches it down below the ankles. That's why I call it the ankle strike. As soon as I saw him giving that call, I knew we were cooked because that's where he lives, and he changed speeds, and he hit his he hit his spots. He hit the black all night long, dude. That was one of the best pitching performances in a league that's not necessarily been known for his pitching the last three years. That's one of the best pitching performances we've seen in the Degs era. Um, so I'll I'll start it there, and then Nick I'll, or Jerry, I'll start with your thoughts on Tanner Hall and and that Thursday night performance as a whole. They played great defense. He didn't really have a lot of stress pitches to throw. He didn't really get into a lot of trouble. I mean, I don't know if we left more than three base runners on while he was while he was pitching. You know what I mean? I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot that he needed to do. Tanner Hall is a right-handed gunner, Leger, is what he is. His control was unbelievable. He knew he had a great, a great curveball. I think he had a. Did he have a changeup? He threw two. That was lethal. He put everything. All of his strikes were on the edge. Which, when you have that type of control and and you can't hit them, you're done. And it showed. I mean, even Coach Degg said after the game, Israel, he's like, you know. I'm disappointed that we lost, but tip your hat off to Tanner. I mean, his performance on the mound was unbelievable. Like Danny Lynch, I'm glad Tanner Hall is leaving. He's he's somebody that we won't have to see again outside of maybe if they if we both make it to the championship game. I'm very happy about that. I, I'll tell you this. Again, I remember when we had consistent, like a consistent weekend rotation like that. In the past, we know that some of the Friday night arms we used to have, you know, Zach Osborne, Austin Robichaux, Kevin Ardouin, Gunnar Leger. I mean, he's definitely somebody that kind of fits in that mold that we were that we've always been used to seeing on Friday nights. So uh, it would be nice, you know, um, to go get somebody like that that has stapled his name uh, in Southern Miss's uh, baseball history. And um, I mean, I have to tip my hat off to him. He, he pitched a hell of a game on, on Thursday and there was nothing our batters could do. Yeah. Nothing you could say more than that, man. I mean, dude pitched the game of his, I'm not even going to say the game of his career, but he just had a career night and, and there isn't much to say. I mean, you just kind of have to tip your hat, like you said, and just move on to the next uh, next game and say, Hey, you got, you got us. You, you got me. And it was frustrating for, for us to watch on TV because you're like, why are they swinging at these pitches? I can only imagine how frustrated the batters were knowing those pitchers were coming and still couldn't really do much with it. Uh, so, you know, credit to him. And like you said, Jerry, uh, you, you don't know. I don't know that we understood how really spoiled we were for, for those, those years that we just had. I mean, we had three Tanner Hall some year on, on our pitching staff. And and sometimes you had guys like Tanner Hall who were struggling to get get time on the mound. So you don't realize what you have sometimes until you lose it. And I, I'm just hopeful that we get fifty uh, percent of what we had once back in the rotation at some point in the future. Uh, because you feel like when you when you watch our teams and you watch these plays that Rock Rocco makes, and then you got Julian who nobody wants to steal, try to attempt to steal on, and you have all these great defensive players and these hitters at the plate, you just you, you feel like you don't want to waste that by by not having the pitching to back it up. So I I'm just hopeful that as we go through this tournament, our bats are able to keep us in it because look, you got to win three games to get the championship, and then that's your fourth game. Yeah, you're going to have midweek pitcher against midweek pitcher. 
who who are we going to have left? You know, at that point, well, and we haven't even uh, mentioned the 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 injuries. I mean, what? you know, I mean, throw in the pitching injuries. I don't know what we're going to have left if we make it to the championship. So you just got to try to hit your way through it at this point. Once you get through games one and two, and see what happens from there. Yeah, Cajuns left three on base for the entire game. Uh, two of those were against Tanner Hall. Uh, Heath Hood earned a walk. Connor Higgs had a hit. Carson Rockefort, who is really looking good these days, again, uh, had a hit, and then JT had a hit. Other than that, absolutely nothing. But, I, you know, I don't want to leave this game without talking about Jackson Nezu. You know, I, I know that he gave up the shot in the fifth, and that, that's a killer, all right? Uh, he made a mistake pitch, and he made maybe one or two mistakes in that whole game, and Southern Miss made him pay uh, for that, for that the, one, the one big mistake. He, he paid for it. Uh, but but you got to say, you got to tip your hat. Outside of that, he really, really showed on Thursday. He matched Tanner Hall. You know, somebody asked him, I think it was Dave, asked Deggs if he thought about reverse pitching, which in my mind, this is the perfect situation to reverse pitch. Tanner Hall is probably the best. I'm not, I don't know if he won Sunbelt Pitcher of the Year, but he should have if he didn't. He's probably the best pitcher in the Sunbelt. You know, maybe you move Jackson to Sunday, or, well, Saturday in this in this case, and you reverse pitch. I thought it was a good idea. Deggs basically scoffed at it and said, no, we're going to go with, with Jackson and see if he can match Tanner Hall pitch per pitch. And for the majority of his start, I mean, he did. With, you know, with the exception of that one inning, and I know he got out of a little bit of trouble, but really not that much. He was on cruise control for three, almost four innings. Um, so, you know, tough luck loss and 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 really made one mistake and paid for it. So... I think he needs to be highlighted, you know, six and a third. He gave up the four runs, yes, but he did walk two. He struck out five. It's tough, man. It's because you know the guy's got it. You know he's got something in there because we've seen it three or four times this year, but we also know he's capable of imploding, and and I'm not saying that he did that. I thought the start was great. I thought he, like I said, I thought he matched Hall pitch for pitch for the majority of that start. There's got to be some way to mitigate those little things. And I think he's real close, but I always think he's real close. You know what I mean? How many times have we been right there on the precipice of him really being that lockdown starter that we need, and then something goes wrong? But you got to give him credit for that start. And, and I wanted to highlight that. I think that that absolutely has to be said. Yeah, and going back to your comment about reverse pitching, I know a lot of people talked about it. And I, yeah, I, I kind of would have liked that to happen. But at the same time, You've got to think, I, I even think if we swept Southern Miss, I don't know that we're getting in the tournament. I mean, I mean, as an at-large, maybe could possibly happen even if you sweep them. So I don't know if you want him to go on Sunday and not get that Friday night lights under pressure. Let's see what you can do versus the best pitcher in this conference it's and a get point. that experience going I into like the, the tournament. Yep. So that's kind of where I think Deggs's mind was. And I wouldn't have faulted him for going either way, but I could see us wanting to get him those pressure pitches under his belt, under, like I said, the the Friday night lights. And if we do make it to a regional, how huge will that be? If we're, I mean, could be, we could be a four seed. I don't know at this point, but think about it. If you're facing a number one seed under all that pressure and he's getting the start, you know, that's a little bit of experience he has that he wouldn't have had otherwise. I love the point. I, and I really didn't think about that. That's a good point. Now, at the same time, I forgot all about an at-large a long time ago. And I guess it really is somewhat meaningless with regard to the seeding because I think we could have only, I think we only could have locked in the four seed or the three seed with one win. I, I think all the movement around us, uh, and I might be wrong on that. Jerry may know more, but 
I think that we were pretty stagnant in that. Like we couldn't have improved our seating at all. Yeah, you could have been the three seed if. Well, actually, no. You could if you win that game on Saturday, you're the three seed because App State had beaten Troy, and Troy was neck and neck with us. By App State beating Troy, we would have been the three seed had we won on Saturday, I believe. Okay, well, in that case, then that's that was dumb. <laughs> we should have reversed pitch. <laughs> anyway, you got to highlight the performance. You know, Darius continues to say that his changeup is getting there. It's getting there. He likes what it looks like. He likes how it's improving. I thought you saw a lot of pitchability. You know, we say that. Tanner Hall showed you what pitchability looks like. I thought that Nezu showed some pitchability, which is what uh, I'm excited about. Moving to the game two on Friday. Offense came out and dominated, but being that we're on pitching, let's just stay there for a second. Carson Fluno delivers his best performance as a Cajun. Eight solid, four hits, one earned run, two walks, 11 strikeouts. They stranded six. I don't think you can do much better than that against a Southern Miss lineup that has a DJ Lynch, that has a P-Tow, that has a lot of guys with a lot of experience, Ewing, guys that have been Cajun killers for a couple of years. So shout out to Fluno. He's, had a, he's another one, almost like a Nezu light. He's had a few performances that make you feel pretty good about it. But he also has the propensity to implode. So for, let's start with Bluno on, on game two on Friday, and then we'll move from there. Uh, Nick, start with you. Again, I think he came in and did the job that he had to do on Friday night. I mean, dude went eight, threw for 100-plus pitches. He gave up one run in the eight. I mean, what more do you say? You got Rawls come in, he closes it out for you. That's what you want to see out of, out of one of your two, top two weekend starters. Now, um, I have my thoughts about that whole Rawls thing, so I'll wait until y'all are done. I'm, I'm sure you do, uh, and I know where you're going to go with it, so I'm going to hold. <laughs> I'm going to hold that for you. Uh, but uh, as far as pitching, look, we've been saying all season we need a one, we need a two, we, and and I think we can figure out a three. But this weekend again gave me a little bit of confidence going into the tournament that we know our guy for game one and we know our guy for game two. And look, if we lose either one of those games, we're in big, big trouble, brother. But if we manage to win both of those, then you figure it out for game three and you're in the championship. So it's to me, that was the biggest thing going at, that I got out of pitching uh, for this weekend was that we have our decided number one and number two who showed that they can be our number one and number two. And uh, let's let's make it happen because you're going to have some tough competition. Look, you got to beat Texas State for the fourth time in the last, what, three weeks and then you got to turn around and potentially play Coastal Carolina. Those are two really tough games. But the way that you saw both of our starting pitchers pitch this weekend, you have a little confidence going into those two games rather than what we felt like a month ago. Carson Fluno over the last month has solidified his 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 Saturday spot, if you will. Um, the last three weeks that he's pitched, he's pitched really well. Um, I think the way Jackson has pitched, I mean, Jackson went from a Sunday guy. Now he's the Friday guy, but he's... He's also done the same as Carson. Uh, both guys have shown consistency over the last three weeks. Say what you want about the competition. Say what you want about uh, uh, whether or not they won the game. They competed well enough to put the team in position to win from the mound. Uh, I think the big concern for me, not necessarily is whether or not they can get it done, but how long can they last? Uh, Jackson early on, we saw earlier in the season, he can go four or five innings and then he kind of starts to take a little bit of a downturn. But as of late, he's gone six, seven, maybe eight innings. So he's kind of elongated 
the the performance factor, which helps a bullpen that's pretty injured and pretty depleted. Same thing with Carson. Uh, Carson had his first start in Baton Rouge. He went, what, two innings maybe? And now, I mean, as of last week, he pitched, what, close to, I think it was seven or eight innings against Southern Miss. So you're seeing two pitchers progress as the season goes on. You've seen them develop. Uh, I think now is the time for them to continue to to play the way they are or pitch the way they the way they are, but also try to last long, try to stay in as long as possible, just because I don't know if the tournament is set up as an advantageous thing for our pitching staff. I mean, again, we're we're pretty much grinding with what we have. So um I like Jackson going against Texas State. Uh the first time he went against them, he pitched well. Uh, this is where I think the hitters are going to have to step up and do their thing. But I'm with Nick. I like the one-two. I like the one-two combo with with Jackson and, and Carson. I think both of them uh, the last three weeks have shown that they're ready for this moment. And, I mean, ready or not, here it is. And it's going to be against, you know, if we win, hopefully we win against Texas State. Well, Carson has to be ready for Coastal. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting to see what these what these guys can do. Well, ready or not is exactly the way you should put it because, you know, I'm happy to have some guys that are going to be knowing their roles too. I I feel the exact same way. However, it's a lot more to do with need. It's not a necessity, you know. Um, But the whole thing about Rawls, you have got to tell – somebody's got to make me understand and I know that you want to shut him down, and and I heard all the different theories, and the theory was you didn't want him to go into the eighth or the ninth, and well, it was the ninth. You don't want him to go into the ninth and get any amount of momentum and score three or four and get their offense started. If that's the take, and this is my opinion, but if that's the take, man, what is our state of pitching? Because you got to be able to find somebody in the bullpen that you can trust to go out there and not give up a nine-run lead. So what happened was you you sent out Rawls to finish that game, and I know he only threw 13 pitches, and I know it wasn't stress pitches. But you cannot tell me that didn't impact him for Sunday. You could have started, or you could have had Christie still get the start, and then you bring in Rawls right behind him. But you could it was very obvious what happened on Sunday. Or I'm sorry, Saturday. Sorry, guys. I know what happened on Saturday. They tried to bridge it to get to Rawls to finish the game. That was the plan. It was very obvious. So there's no way anybody can tell me that closing it out on Friday didn't impact the way that he was used on Saturday. And we all saw what happened on Saturday. Does anybody disagree with that take? Can't say I do, Josh. I mean, yeah, again, it Saturday night wasn't a big deal, but then you get into Sunday and you saw he gave up, came in for an inning and what, two, one out, two outs, and gave up two runs, two hits. So I... Yeah, I, I I have to say I agree with you to some extent on that. It's it's it was noticeable, and um, I don't know. Like you said, what is the state of pitching if 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 that's our uh, that that's what we're doing at this point? That's kind of hard to understand. It's all about depth at this point, and you basically have to salvage as much as many arms as you can. And again, like I just mentioned, you're going into a tournament setting where you're going to have to play so many games. So you want to salvage as many arms as possible. You want to salvage as many opportunities as possible. I'm one of those people that really believe with Cooper that is pitching very well as a relief pitcher, but 
in this type of situation where it's do or die, I don't know about you guys, but I would I would consider him maybe as a starter. You may need him to start just by experience alone. So I, I just don't understand. You got to find somebody in the back of the bullpen. They, they were warming up Ben Tate to come in late on Saturday. You don't think Ben Tate could have gotten three outs before giving up nine runs? If that's the case, I mean, our pitching is in way worse shape than we even thought. How do we get, expect to get through a tournament? You know, and I have, I'm going to talk well, about it on Saturday. That's what I mean. Because yeah. Jerry's talking about saving pitching. Well, we bring in Blake Marshall for a matchup situation, and we pull him Can't after he that. was effective. Can't so do that. What, what, is, what is the intent behind that? What is the strategy behind that? Well, what is the strategy by bringing in a pitcher to walk a guy and then pull him? We did that twice on Sunday. Never figured that one out. But we're so depleted, and we got to save arms. And by the way, it was an intentional, unintentional, intentional walk. Like, we were clearly going to walk the guy. And we bring in two pitchers to, to walk a guy, and then we pull him. Huh? <laughs> I don't understand that. You know? I, um, I guess in that scenario, it's 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 matchups. But again, this is not a time. This You're like, this walking week, the guy. I mean, th- this this week is not a week to have matchups. I mean, you just can't. You know, we're, we're, we're very limited. You know, I, I know there were debates the other night with, with Cooper or whether or not to use them at that time when you're up by that many runs, because what if you needed them for Saturday? You know, Friday night you're up nine runs, you bring them in, and Southern Miss gets, I think, two hits off of them, which carries some of that momentum with the bats into Saturday. So I, I don't know. I mean, as a fan, I don't really understand that philosophy. I don't, you know, I, I, I know there's certain situations where you basically have to use pitchers more than once in a situation like this when you're limited, but it's all about timing, right? I mean, timing is very important here because you go you you go in and you give up a few hits. Well, now they've seen you. Now they've seen your pitching. Now they've seen that's the other thing. You know, yep. they've seen it. They so now they know what to expect the next time they face you. It's not like they're seeing you for the first time. I'm never gonna understand it. And look, Christie has had some high highs, and I guess we'll roll in before we move into Saturday. I'll just say, offensively, it was just a parade. You know, uh, Max continues to to play like we expect him to play. Two hits, two RBI. Kyle DeBars, absolutely unreal day. Three hits, an RBI. Uh, Carson continues to hit. Connor Higgs. Uh, Connor Higgs has actually kind of been on a downslope a little bit, but I think people are starting to adjust to him. He was just on a tear for like two months. Uh, he got a hit. Heath Hood, old reliable. Three more hits. JT had two big hits. Uh, CJ had really great at bats, really put the nail in the coffin a couple times, it felt like. Uh, so so And CJ really... The more healthy that he gets, the more of a threat he is at the plate, and I'm thrilled about that because, you know, there's not a better guy on the team, and I know he takes a lot of flack for having bad at-bats, and he does a, a few things that others don't like, you know, like stare at the ball and put a bat on his back. I, I know that people don't like that. CJ and his people are awesome, so I'm glad to see him hitting the baseball and being a threat down at the bottom of the lineup. It was fun to watch us score and mercilessly destroy that baseball team. I, I got a, a, a ton of happiness out of watching that happen. And, and the second come, straight game where our friend didn't get a hit. So that was also pleasurable. Yeah, through two games. Uh, through two over. games, it was great. He was doing all this goat yoga, and it just wasn't working. What was enjoyable about that game was they are still on the win streak at this point, right? And, you know, they just did the whole Scott Barry farewell ceremony. And, you know, you would think – you would think that they would that would ha- give a sense of adrenaline with their team and momentum from the night before. And I mean, we shut that down within the first few innings. I mean, well, when Southern we Miss up, couldn't even get the freaking weather right. So 
that's why we never we never lose on a rain delay. Sorry, just don't have it. So <laughs> if they had gotten the weather right, we wouldn't be having this conversation, maybe. But you know, yeah, I, I was um, I was very pleased to see the way we dominated that night because you know it. Some first of all, it's something that they're not used to, and then you did it in their park. I mean, I can't remember the last time we've been dominated at the Teague like that. And we went in there and I mean, we shut it down and we shut it down fast and, and, and gave, and the best thing was it gave Nick opportunities to take screenshots of their empty seats. Cause they were leaving in like the six innings. So, Oh no, but uh, they it, were in the roost. Hey, it was the a win thing about any blowout. You get to talk shit on Twitter. Yeah. But the thing about the roost is around the seventh inning, I think I forgot somebody hit a, we hit a, I think Rocco hit a line drive somewhere. When he destroyed that tree. The, yeah. Well, the thing is he, it was either him or somebody hitting a line drive to right field. And as they're hitting a line drive, I think it was like in the seventh or eighth inning, and you can see the the lights in the back of the pickup trucks turning on because they were all leaving. <laughs> like they were all going. And I'm like, oh, they're okay, they're leaving. Interesting, you know. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, you know, even people in the roost were leaving a little bit earlier. Uh, but no, I mean, it was a great performance uh, Friday night. And of course, Carson pitched lights out and the batters responded. Uh, we played small ball, and I think we forced them to make plays in the field, which they really couldn't do as well. Uh, we put a lot of pressure on them through our base running, which was fun. And it, that's the part of the Degs offense that when it works, it's fun to watch. Like I've always said, it's either all or nothing. I think Friday night we saw that it, it was 100% effective, or at least mostly effective. And when it works, it works. When it doesn't, it's a disaster, but that's for another time. Too many times it doesn't work. I was telling Jerry today, uh, Nick, Where's the, our, our small ball has just vanished from this offense. Do you agree with that? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's vanished, but when we attempt it, it is terrible lately. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened. I, I think it was it Higgs. God bless the guy that, that missed the, the, I think he went up twice. He went up at bat at twice. I can't talk right now. He had two at bats where he tried to bunt the ball and both times he, uh, he went, he bunted it foul twice and then struck out, I think twice in, in the Sunday game. So I'm not going to say we're not trying to bunt. We're just not executing it when we do try to do it uh, because we have opportunities, especially we're going to have opportunities during this tournament that we've got to move players over. I know we're speeding on the base pass. We want to make things happen. We want chaos on the bases. We're going to have to be able to lay down bunts and we are going to have to have our guys reliable when they go up to bat that they can do that. Right now, it's it's hit or miss. So I think it was just maybe maybe he had a bad night on 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 Saturday. I keep saying Sunday on Saturday on game three. He had a bad night, but uh, it's time that that when we lay down a butt, you got to lay down the butt. And I think maybe it was Max who laid down a real nice one over the weekend. That, but it was a bunt single. It was for for a hit. He wasn't butting to move runners over. Right. But we're gonna have to at some point lay down a bunt that'll matter during this tournament. So they got to get those fundamentals down quickly. Yeah. If, if I have a complaint about the offense this year, it's been inconsistent small uh, small ball. The, the, the short game is just not what is necessary for, I think, a Degg's offense to really, really just pop. Uh, but having said that, we walk into Saturday. Obviously, we get the four big ones in the first inning, get off to a great start. I thought that was very, very, very important. Of course, Max starts the game with a homer. Then the bars goes back to back. You're feeling good about yourself. And then Heath Hood hits the two-run bomb. And you're, you're as a Cajuns fan, after you come off a dominant win like that, 
your your mind just starts going and it says, damn, maybe we're good. You know, maybe 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 Southern Miss is, you know, they've been beating a bunch of bad teams. They've been beaten, beaten up on the bottom of the Sun Belt. And you feel good. And you say, we got we got David Christie on the mound. We know what he can do against schools like TSAB, schools like uh, Coastal. You feel good where, where you're at. You, you think you got the rest of your pen that can give you some, some innings. You know, you got uh, Rawls that's available somewhere in there. And then, of course, and I might be the only one in this room that will admit this, but as soon as Danny, Danny Litch came to the plate, I thought, oh, God. And then... The thing about it is that one, it was like his first or second pitch that he threw. Uh, it was high, and Danny watched it go by. He didn't swing. And I said out loud, he cannot throw that pitch again. I mean, it's belt high. It was like 86 miles an hour. Belt, belt high. You can't throw that to him right there. And sure enough, maybe two pitches later, same freaking pitch, same location, everything. And as soon as he hit the ball, you knew that's 400 feet. And I hate that guy so much. And I understand that he's a nice kid and it's really no... I'm talking about on the baseball field, folks. Don't give me any hate because I said, oh, I hate the guy. It's all about rivalries. It's all about sports hate. But when he came up and, and I saw the pitch and I, I said he can't throw that again and he throws it and the ball's in the trees. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was deflated. I was. The wind was out of my sails. I thought, damn. And then, of course, Dickerson comes up at homers. They go up in the third inning, and then you think, okay, how do we respond to this? Are we going to lay down? Because we have we have a little bit of a history of scoring runs early and then not being able to rebound to the adjustment. Credit to the offense. They made the adjustment. They come back with one in the fourth, three in the fifth, one in the sixth. Of course, Danny Lynch has another grand slam in the middle of all that. And then you go to the eighth tie. It's nines. You're thinking, all right, we've got we've – got Rawls back there. We got a couple of guys that can come in and contribute. Nah. We give up our milk money in the bottom of the eighth. And then, I mean, at that point, we were cooked. So those were just general observations. You know, happy to hear anything you guys have to say about it. But as soon as it came up, you know, sacks jacked. I was like, all right, well, here we go. Well, I, I didn't because I, I felt like we were smart, smart enough to know, hey, don't pitch to this guy don't give him anything to you know send over the over the fence and we did we didn't do it once we did it twice we just served him right up for the dude um well, the bottom yeah, line is he single-handedly beat us yeah he did and and you know he you could say he's nice or whatever they also thought Brett Favre was nice I mean they had him doing his thing giving giving praise to to Scott Barry on Saturday on Friday night which was weird flex by the way who uh, who 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 greenlit that who yeah thought that was a good idea yeah Somebody anyway, needs to be reprimanded. So you want to you wanna say Danny's nice? Well, you think Brett Favre's nice too. But regardless, um, no, he handed it to us. Again, we he didn't hand it. We handed it to him. We said, here you go. Here, let's serve it right up for you and 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 do your thing. So that was that was disappointing to me. And again, I'm still not understanding the – I mean, you, you hoped that they would uh, walk the guy the next two times up, which they did, but they brought in a pitcher – to walk him and then leave the game. Still trying to understand that one. If there's a pitching coach out there that can make me better understand, I'd like to know that. But for some reason, that that one really bothers me. And and then Marshall, he comes in, gets an out, very effective. Oh, sorry, matchup. Yeah. But we don't have any arms. I mean, we were we were warming up Landry Wilkerson. 
I don't it, know. It makes sense, Jerry. There could be things that we don't know that goes behind the the thought process for this in regards to the tournament. I don't know. Sure, it was just is. it was just it was strange. Like it's just again, it bothers me because I don't know the answer. Like if somebody would tell me the answer, even if I didn't agree with it, I'd be like, okay, I understand your line of thinking, even though I don't like it. Just not knowing and not liking it bothers me. You know. It, it was a center scenario of the game. You know, you go up for nothing and, and still, even though you dominated the night before, you know, number one, Southern Miss is a good team. They can hit just like we can. They have decent, you know, good pitching like we do. They have good fielding. They're a good team and you're at their house. You know, there's always that, that the Pete Taylor magic that that team always finds a way to produce. I mean, you've seen it many times before. So I wasn't even comfortable with the four, nothing lead. I was kind of, at the point where fully well knowing that we still kind of had a depleted bullpen that we had to score more runs and jump to a bigger cushion. And then all of a sudden Danny Lynch comes in and ties it with one swing of a bat. And after he hits it, you know, my first reaction really is, Oh gosh, how much are we going to have to grind to get this win? Because if every time we do something like that and they respond like that, it's going to be very hard to win that game. It's just one of those games where you just know no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter how well you play, Southern Miss was going to counter. I just had that feeling. You know, when Danny hit that first home run, I had that feeling. They're just going to counter every time. And, um, you know, very similar, you know, it was very similar to the softball game, that game seven, where we score six runs and T-Sab responds. And then, you know, they go up, we respond and back and forth. And those are just hard games to win. They're just hard games to win, especially when you're on the road, especially when you're you're dealing with an injured bullpen, especially when you know that this, you know, this is this was Coach Scott Berry's last home game. So you know those guys were fired up to, to play for him. All of those scenarios and all of those situations going into uh that game, no matter what we did, it felt like Southern Miss had an answer. And it just, you know, and then of course he hits he hits another grand slam, you know, and at that point I'm just like, man. I I just don't think it's our day. I mean, I just think it was one of those days that they just responded to everything that we did. And I, it doesn't happen often. It's not something that happens on a regular basis. But yeah, it's happened pretty often this I year. I was going to say, it's happened a few not a lot of season. <laughs> but not, not with not two grand slams. I mean, well, let's be honest. Not well, like that. The bottom line is you can't you know? give up two four-run leads in the same freaking game. You just well, can't. I, I agree You can, you can yeah. never win a series like that. It's never going to happen. No, but 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 – you know, in this particular game, it was just every time we did something, they responded. I just hope this week, knowing full well that we're going to be playing different teams, that we just we just have to finish, man. That's been kind of the biggest weakness of this year is just finish. Now you have to finish. Now you have no choice. You don't finish, you go home. I don't know what I learned from this weekend overall, but one thing I learned from Saturday is we better find a way to finish and fast. Yeah, I can tell you what I learned. I learned exactly what I learned all season. We have an excellent jab. We can we can punch you in the nose once. But we have no uppercut. We have no left or right hook. We don't protect our body and face well. We can punch with the best of them, but we are not we're not long for the six, seven, eight round fights. We're just not. We don't have the pitching. You can blame it on the injuries. You can blame it on depth. You can blame it on lots of things. I won't go into that now because it's going to be a two-hour episode and we got to move on to the Sunball tournament. But I think some really poor decisions were made 
Friday. I think some even more poor decisions on the mound were made Saturday. And that is also a constant that we've seen this year, in my opinion. I think I think the way we manage pitching is, I mean, it's utterly hilarious at times. It's almost so bad that you laugh and you go, you know what, I don't even know what to say about this anymore. Um, and that's my opinion. And I've been around pitching my entire life, so uh, it doesn't make me an expert, but it definitely gives me some perspective. And the way that they handle these pitchers is is not productive. We'll say it that way. Anyway, so... Southern Miss beats us two out of three at the peak. Uh, hopefully, we'll entertain them next year at the Teague. That'll be a lot of fun. We owe them a lot. Uh, last time they came to the peak, or excuse me, last time they, beat, they came to the Teague, we should have won the series, but we got hosed on a call. They ended up winning the Saturday game, and then they took the series on Sunday on getaway, and that was a really, really good series, by the way. So that'll be fun. Moving on to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Uh, Jerry, no, I'm sorry, Nick. You and I were talking about Georgia Southern and Georgia State. Has that game progressed to a final yet, sir? No, it has not. Um, Georgia Southern's trying to make a little bit of a comeback, so they're in the bottom of the eighth inning. Georgia State is a home team, and they are up uh, seven to five. Georgia State is up seven to five. Okay, uh, in the eighth with a runner on third and one out. Man, Georgia Southern, what a collapse this year! But you, you want to so, know the the best part of tonight's game? Everybody's favorite home plate umpire, Ryan Broussard, is uh, behind the plate for this game. So well, he's I mean, he calling games in the tournament. He won't be calling our game then because they have to. He swap will not. Anymore. Yeah, they swap. I think that they have sure. two crews, right? So they swap. So I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So FYI, um, because JMU defeated ODU, they will play Southern Miss. So it'll be Southern Miss and JMU. Coastal will play the winner of this game. FYI. So this is a game we want to keep an eye on in case you know. Because and we'll find out who what our fate will be before our Texas state matchup, because I believe coastal plays the first game before us. And so we'll know, you know, if we beat Texas state, this is who we'll face or vice versa. Yeah. So you're saying the loser of that game will face in the elimination game is what you're saying. Mm, okay. That's correct. All right. So that's big. Uh, we got the tough side, obviously with the conference winners, which is fine. You know, if you want to get to the tournament, you should have to earn it. Uh, how do you guys feel going into Texas State? I will state my opinion, then I'll give it to you guys. I think, again, that we have a good jab. So it wouldn't totally shock me if we won this game. However, hard to beat a team four times in the same season, especially when you just played them last week. That worries me. I will say that we're swinging the bat well at this moment in time, so that's good. I know the guys have confidence. It really just comes down to who's going to show up and pitch. I say it all the time. We pitch, we win. Now, Nezu kind of got hosed on that whole theory, but usually we pitch, we win. Usually. So if we're going to go Nezu, and I assume we will, uh, I assume he's going to match up with Zeke Wood. If, if I'm, I, I, I don't know if they're going to throw Zeke Wood. They, who did they throw on Friday against us? Uh, Jerry, I think it was Zeke Wood. I, I couldn't remember, but I, I know that we, we touched him up pretty good. So he doesn't scare us. However, he's still a good pitcher. We know he's got the history of being a good pitcher. Uh, so anyway, look, there you go. I mean, at Texas State, they can swing the bat. I'm not at all scared of them away from the Cracker Jack Park and slam Marcos. And uh, Montgomery is a, is a pitcher's ballpark. It's a big ballpark. It's going to be humid, hot. I don't know what kind of forecast we have as far as rain or any kind of inclement weather. Hopefully, we'll get a lightning delay. Everybody knows. Like you said, Nick, can't be beat if there's lightning in the, in the vicinity. But that's how I feel about Texas State. I feel decent in our offense. I'm glad, I'm glad that they have confidence moving in, but pitching is still the elephant in the room. Yeah, again, um, you look, you saw with Texas State last year, they were they were knocking it all over the ballpark in their home 
stadium and then they get to the conference tournament and uh, don't do so well. I think that might be the case again this year. I mean, you look, they've got, we've got the better batting average. We're batting 292. They're batting 274, but they hit for power, right? They've got 82 home runs versus our 63. So you got to feel like we have a little bit of an advantage hitting wise. Um, Depends again, if they, if they bring wood out for that first game, how does he settle in? I think the key is going to be, we need to get to him early and not let him get into a rhythm. Cause I think if you let a good pitcher get into a rhythm, like you saw with, uh, with uh, our boy last, last Thursday, then, then they're unhittable. So we got to try to get to the guy early. Um, I think the key to this game will be again, our starting pitching, uh, getting to their starting pitcher early hitting wise, and then do what we do on the bases, man. I mean, we're number three in the country in stolen bases. We're also number nine in the country in fielding percentage. They're not great in fielding percentage. They're they're nine sixty. We're nine eighty two. Yeah, so I we think saw them kick it around a little bit. In the yeah. Tee. So I think you have opportunities there, but you're gonna have to one capitalize on if they give you something, you take it, and two, we got to just come out and and settle down on the pitching at the front end hoping that Nezu comes out uh, as as the guy that we saw Thursday night again. I think if he does that and he gives us a good six, seven innings, I think we're in good shape. If he comes out and struggles and we got to pull him in the third, I think it's going to be not only a long game, a long tournament for us. So got to get to their pitcher early, got to settle down in our pitching, and got to take advantage of opportunities if they give it to us. If we do that, I think we'll be fine. But again, it's really, really hard, like you said, Josh, to beat a team four times when you just played them two weeks ago. That's really tough. We 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 can't we can't give them anything. We can't hit them. You know, no hit by pitch, no free bases, no base on balls. We got to do our thing pitching wise. And again, I think we'll be okay if if we do the things I mentioned. Yeah, I mean, Nick, you you said it best. I, you know, don't give away free bases. And honestly, I think we can out hit them. They don't really have the power or the powerful bats that they had last season. I think we are we're we have a little bit more of an advantage in the lineup as far as the bats go. Um but just no freebies. You don't want to give them freebies. That's how that's I mean really that's how we 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 face consequences there. Um I think Jackson if he can go at least 6 will be okay. Um I think our bats are good enough right now to to compete with anyone. I also think Jackson and Carson, the one-two, the one-two punch, they're good to go six or seven. That puts our bats in in good order to to hit. So, yes, it's very hard to beat a team four times, especially when you have you've seen them what a week and a half ago. At the same time, I feel like there's still momentum from our offense that we've that's that's been there for the last three weeks. And I also think that Park and Montgomery is more friendly towards the Teague compared to what they have in San Marcos. I don't expect many home runs. I don't expect as much of the power swings, which works to our advantage. So I think this is one of those matchups where if we show up and play the way we're supposed to play, we'll win. There's a little doubt creeping in that, you know, what can Jackson go six? Can Jackson go six or more? If he, if he goes five or less, or less than five, I'm, I get worried. I'm going to be a little worried. If he can last six innings and we can do what we do batting-wise, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be okay. So. One other thing I want to say, Jerry, is that for Texas State, 
when they hit a long fly ball in Montgomery, that's a home run in their park. So I think we'll see a lot of that from them like we saw last year. And I think left center field gap, you hit it there, you're going to be running for days. And our guys know that. And I, and I think that's where our advantage hitting-wise is going to be, is that we don't necessarily need to hit for power and try to hit it out of the ballpark, which we can do because, like you said, it's very much like the Teague. But I think we have the advantage when it comes to to hitting in that left center field gap. If If we do that, it's going to be fun. Agree. And uh, speaking of Rock, you know, he may not be having the power numbers that he had last year, but he's in the midst of a historic doubles season. I think he's at 21 or 22, which is it's in the top 10 all time uh, at the school. And Bab was talking about that on the broadcast and I heard it and I wanted to bring some attention to that because, you know, we've said a few different times, you know, we expected a little bit more to Rock and we've seen him kind of kind of battle back. I mean, he's hitting in the 320s now, so you, he's had a, a good year. And the thing is, is you go into expecta- uh, into a season with certain expectations. When guys don't meet those expectations, it's easy to say, well, they had a tough year. Well, he's really not having that tough of a year. He's actually putting together a pretty nice offensive campaign, so that needs to be said. By the way, Josh, let's go back to pitching. So yeah. we did not face Zeke Wood in game one. He actually pitched game two. Okay, we faced so I thought up. that. Yeah. We faced Wells in game one. And we really didn't chase him until the sixth. I mean, he got through the sixth, and and we weren't hitting the ball. Uh, so you know, something to watch. Do they do they bring Wood in, or do they stick with Wells again? Um, we because we hit Wood pretty well on Saturday. So oh, we that's the best we've ever hit him. Yeah. So interest. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I haven't seen anything on if they've decided who they're going with with their starting pitcher, but um, will be an interesting to see what their decision is there. Yeah, shout out to Nick Deal. He says uh, Rock has 22 doubles on the year, and I'm telling you, that's way up there. It's top 10 in the in the uh, in the record books all time in a season at UL. Uh, also, you guys mentioned pitching, pitching, and I wanted to say it is imperative that Fluno and Nezu give us long outings. The only reason we even had a chance on Saturday against USM is because those two guys went uh, eight and six, or eight and seven. That's the only reason we even had an, a, a bullpen to speak of on Saturday. So. Again, in tournament play, when you have to win four games, Dex can't pull the matchup card, and he can't go out there and make these goofy decisions, and you want to call it on Tib. It's not Tib. Uh, that's my opinion, I guess, but whatever. Uh, you, you, we got to be smart. We got to make very efficient decisions on the mound, and I know he knows that, but we got to be extra cautious, extra aware, and we, well, need, we need guys that can go long innings to go long innings. Look, David Christie, was he was cooked after two innings. He... We need him to get into six, seven inning territory in order to have an opportunity to even advance, let alone win this tournament. Well, if you want to, if you want to win this thing, you gotta, I mean, how are you going to use pitching? Let's say we drop one. Now you're, now you're looking at having to win six games or play in six games instead of four. So I know, I know the coaches are definitely looking into that. I mean, playing two extra games, Having to win two extra games goes a it's it's a, it's a huge difference. The depleted pitching staff that we have right now, how are we going to put that puzzle piece together if we have to play an extra two games? I tell you how you do it, Jerry. What do you do? You don't issue walks and hit by pitches. You don't do that. If you don't do that, then you're giving your pitchers a chance to stay in there. But if you start walking two, three, four guys in a row, we're in serious trouble. We have got. If there's one thing we have got to do this week, 
is we have got to cut down on the free bases. And if we do that, then you're giving yourself a chance. But if you start doing what you do, and I think somebody pointed it out, the only reason Danny Lynch got a chance is because we walked guys or we hit them. If we start doing that this week, we're going to be in major trouble because that means that we have to pull a guy that we otherwise wouldn't. So that I'm not worried about other teams hitting on us because we can go hit for hit, but you cannot give them opportunities with free bases. That to me is going to be the key to how much success we have during the tournament. I totally agree. And I think also too, uh, as you guys mentioned, and it's so, so imperative and so important, our starters are going to have to go a minimum of six innings, minimum, minimum. That means you're still in the game. If you go six innings, that means you're still in the game. We're going to have to go a minimum of of six. You're going to have to give these guys six. You can't do anything less than that. Yep. So as mentioned, the Cajuns will take on the Bobcats of Texas State at 7.30 on Wednesday, which uh, as of this recording will be tomorrow. But you guys know how the tournament goes sometimes, uh, depending on weather, depending on how long the games last, could be earlier, could be later, whatever. But we're scheduled tentatively 7.30 against the Bobcats. For those on YouTube, shout out to Carson T for reminding everybody about this. We learned uh, late this afternoon about these, these numbers. The TSAB and UL softball final had 557,000 viewers. That's the most watched softball since 2019 and the most watched softball game of the 2023 season. I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, we actually tweeted out on the account that uh, Cajuns moved the needle, you know, and I know that uh, the other team had something to do with that as well, but there's something about a rivalry, man. People still want to watch good, good sports. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter male, female. People want to see rivals. They want to see good. They want to see drama. drama. <laughs> yes, that's the word. They want to see drama. They want to see they want to see anything that'll hold their attention like that. I mean, that's just hatred is palpable on TV. Doesn't matter if you're there or not. So shout out to them, Nick. Final thought, and then we'll bounce. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think you you go back and you look at the fact that against the number ten host seed on Sunday, you made five errors in that championship game and still won. And look, they're gonna have to clean that up against Washington. But the point is, you still won after making five errors. So they are very capable of walking out of this super regional and into Oklahoma City. But like you said, Jerry, you got to mind your P's and Q's. You, you got to get better defensively. And, and I'm hoping that the experience they had in Baton Rouge gave them a little bit of understanding of a hostile environment and what it's going to be like in Washington. They sold out in, in less than an hour. All their tickets out sold out in less than an hour. So it's going to be a hostile environment again, but you have to be feeling pretty good of the fact that there's not much more hostile than walking into TSAB and, and facing off against those guys. So um, hoping for the best. I think these these ladies can certainly pull it off. And I cannot go without one more Danny Lynch jab. Thank you, uh, James Carrier, for saying Danny Lynch is the kind of guy that wakes up everyone in the house to tell him he's going to bed. Yes, he's that guy. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> you can always count on James for a good a good <laughs> jab. Uh, Justin Johnson just said Georgia State beat Georgia Southern 8-5. to five, So... Uh, Georgia State will be moving on to the winner's bracket in the Sunbelt Conference Baseball Tournament. Georgia Southern goes to the elimination game. Look, I think the girls have a great chance. There's an easy case that you can make that we didn't even play great softball this past weekend. And you can tally that up to a rival, 
uh, you know, an environment you hadn't played in. I think the Cajuns win too. I think that the Huskies go two and Q. That's my prediction. I just don't know how much more challenged the Cajuns could be. You know, going in the Clearwater tournament, going to places like Gainesville, Florida, going to places like Austin, Texas, and College Station, and Waco, Texas, to face Baylor. There's so many teams that the Cajuns have played this year that are on par, or if not better, than this Washington team that we're facing. No disrespect to Washington, but I think we've been challenged enough to be ready for this stage. And so I don't think the girls are going to be intimidated. I don't think they're going to be affected by it. Like you said, Nick, if you can go into Lady Tiger Park and go two for two on Sunday when your season's on the line and win both games and dogpile at the end, these girls are ready to go. And they know that they're two wins away from Oklahoma City. And uh, look, it took it took one an inning miracle for Washington to even be here. So if Magnese can do it, there's no reason why the Cajuns can do can't do it either. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I can't be more excited for this for this opportunity. And uh, as well as baseball, look, let's let's this weekend let's go out there have a good time, dominate, and uh, hopefully come next week we'll be talking about uh, a regional berth as well as a, uh, a women's college World Series berth. Josh, I'm with you. I think we go six and eleven against the top twenty-five going into the college world series, women's college world series. I like it. Hey, by the way, shout out to track and field. Twenty-one individuals are going to be competing in the NCAA regionals. Beautiful. We've been trying to talk, we've been trying to talk up track and field all all uh, all season. It's criminal how underserved they are. They need and deserve more promotion. So we're going to continue to do that. Good luck to all the men and women that are going to be wearing raging Cajuns across their chest, competing nationally. Uh, Thanks to the sponsors, Gordon McKernan, Patriot Steel Group, Lafayette Roofing, and General Contractors. Guys, remember, subscribe, rate, review, write all the great stuff you can about Raging Review. It really helps more than you know. We appreciate you joining on a Tuesday evening. We'll be back with more content after all the fun uh, activities and festivities and games and hopefully W's at the end of this week. Until then, go Cajuns. We're out.